The gun was designed for military use, special agents, and some SWAT teams. Of course, it had been adopted by drug cartels as well. However, the ammo wasn't always easily available, and the Bursa 380 was a reliable weapon, an acceptable compromise when concealment was an issue. He dumped a few cartridges on the bed. Then, of old habit, he put his hand in a sock so as not to leave prints on the brass casings and fed six into the clip. He shoved the clip home with the heel of his hand, jacked one into the chamber, then removed the clip and thumbed in a replacement. He flicked the safety on, clipped the gun above his right hip, under his Hawaiian shirt. After folding and repacking his clothes in the black carry-on, he wiped the room clean of prints with the room towel and checked both trash cans for telltale debris. He left the fruit and the basket on the table with 50 pesos for the maid, and after a final look around, took up his bags, rode the elevator down, and checked out. A taxi let him out on Santa Vera Cruz in front of the Hotel Hidalgo, a dozen blocks from the Lafayette. It wasn't an impressive neighborhood, but while the Hidalgo's lobby was small and not very trendy, it looked clean. A small dining room opened off the lobby. He checked in using a credit card and a Louisiana driver's license identifying him as Edmund Haywood. Unknown to Dwayne Fowler, those good Cuban boys who had arranged his Miami license and the ID for his pickup had more recently provided him with this new identity, including a letter-perfect passport. For a price, of course. Degrees of separation. The name of the game. Edmund Haywood. Just one more obscure gringo in a city of 20 million souls. The registrar took him up the elevator and let him into the room. When the registrar left, Robert threw the bolt, switched the light off, made his way in semi-darkness to the window opposite and opened the blinds. Night pressed down on the city beyond, black and starless. He closed the blinds and turned the light on again. He hung up his clothes, then dumped the contents from the maroon carry-on onto the bed. He cut a slit in each end of the bag's liner under the two-inch expansion flap. He then cut a series of parallel one-inch slits in four eight-by-eight-inch rectangles of shirt cardboard he had brought along for this purpose. He inserted cartridges in the slots like a bandolier, alternating one on one side and one on the other, so the cardboard remained relatively flat. He placed the loaded cards in Ziplocs and inserted them into the slits in either end of the liner between the metal reinforcing bars. He taped the Ziplocs to the reinforced wall, then taped the slit and the lining shut and pulled the expansion flaps down so it didn't show. Finally, he rolled the holstered gun in the face towel and stowed it in the carry-on with the other hardware. Tired from the bus trip down, he poured himself a brandy and sank back into the club chair. He had flown into Laredo, Texas. From there, he had taken the bus across the Rio Grande because of the lax entry into Mexico. American Customs seldom checked buses leaving the U.S. They were mostly interested in those entering. As for entering Mexico in this particular case, no one checked anything, not even his tourist card. His thoughts returned to the beggar, the stick-thin child draped over his shoulder.
Against his will, he was once again transported back in time to Nick's room. He took a deep breath, then went into the bathroom and took another vibromycin with a slug of mineral water. Probably running a fever. A touch of the bug. He wet a washcloth with cold water, pressed it to his temples, and tried not to look in the mirror.